Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl. And tonight we have our continuing our to meet the band members of Adams Road Band. Tonight we have Steve Kay with us. Steve, we appreciate you being here, and uh, yeah, it's good being here. Yeah, it's nice that way. Uh, what do you do in the band, actually? Uh, I sing and I play bass. Do you? That's yeah. the little four-string guitar, right? <laughs> yep, that's right. I never learned that. I played the other, the six-string, okay, a, yeah. a little bit. But uh, <laughs> so it's nice to have you with us. And you were yeah. tell us a little bit about your heritage as a Mormon. You were raised in the church, I guess. I was. Yeah, Mormon. actually, uh, I have a pretty uh, rich Mormon uh, history in my family. My uh, my great-great-great-something grandfather was the uh, first conductor of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Wow, what was his name? Uh, John Perry. Wow. He was a Welsh immigrant who came across, and uh, I'm also descended from uh, Anson Pratt, who's one of the brothers of Orson oh, and Parley that oh, you hear really? about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and actually, I had several uh, great-grandparents that were born in uh, Colonia Juarez, Mexico. Uh, which is polygamous, that polygamous huh? group, yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so pretty so rich heritage. Were you were born here in Salt Lake? Or? No, I was actually born in uh, Seattle. So oh, that's, were uh, you? Yeah, you'd think I would be born in <laughs> Utah with that heritage, but no, uh, my parents, parents ended up ended there. Ended up and, there. Yeah. So uh, did you did you go from uh, you were active in the church I guess I, I guess was. we should ask that baptized yeah. and absolutely busy in the church and yeah I actually I, I loved the church from a very uh, young age I was very active in it I anything to do with the church that I could do I did took uh, seminary and I took graduated seminary um, scouting I, uh, or yeah. I was a, I was an Eagle Scout, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. did all that, and congratulations, uh, yeah, and uh, <coughs> you know actually where I was raised, uh, I was I was one of twenty out of about two thousand in my high school that was LDS, so I was wow. in a bit of a minority in the, the yeah. town right. Were grew you up, a so. close knit group then? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> the, yeah, the twenty of you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. So did you stay yeah. there then, and you? Were you I did. Were you called yeah. on your mission from there? Well, you know, I uh, I actually. Uh, I, I was, and uh, you know, er, early on in my my uh, teenage years, I actually had an event uh, that kind of cemented me more in the church before I was, you know, really ready to go on a mission. What was that? It was actually when I was 16. Um, uh, my dad was diagnosed. It was like just three, just three or four days before my 16th birthday, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and uh, oh my goodness. yeah, just a few months later, he passed away. So what kind of a cancer? Uh, was that? Colon cancer. Wow. Yeah. So it was just this sudden, quick thing that happened that uh, you know none of us saw coming, and it just really shook oh, me up. I'll and um, it, it, you know, it, I was hurting and upset, and I needed some comfort. And uh, I turned to the Mormon Church for that because that you know system was already there, yeah. and uh, and that's where I f felt like the answers would be to my problem. And so you know, I turned to the church, and you know, I, I found a lot of comfort in the doctrine of eternal families. You know, that was a big oh, doctrine sure. that was pushed that, mm -hmm. you know, if we were uh, worthy <coughs> and righteous, that one day we could all be together, you know, forever mm -hmm. one day. And uh, and that was what I wanted more than anything else at the time. Your parents so had I, been married in the temple. Absolutely, so yeah. you were born in the covenant. Born in the covenant, yeah. And, wow. uh, and that was, you know, that was something I, I really grasped onto yeah. and, uh, and brought a lot of comfort to me. And that was probably like, um, you know, I would say the main hook that kept me, you know, <laughs> 
know, really invested in the church because I, I wanted that. And, uh, well, you especially know. losing a father at 16 and Absolutely. thinking that you want to see him again and, yeah. and the eternal family. Yeah, so I was, I was big into temple work and genealogy, and all, which is actually how I discovered that my great-grandparents were born in Colonial Juarez, Mexico. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that until I did the genealogy and was like, what? You know, what so is you this? were the first to find that? Uh, I think, I think my, my dad knew, but he never really talked about it. You wow. know, it was that polygamous history, we didn't really talk about it. It's like, if you did the research, it's right yeah. there. But yeah. Interesting as a young man that you'd be involved in family history that yeah. way. And yeah, absolutely. And wow. uh, so I, I actually, um, after my, my grandfather died, because my dad's family was never sealed, uh, his parents, mm. uh, because uh, his dad was a convert, um, uh, because of that, I actually went and stood in for my dad as proxy in his family seal. When they were sealed. Right before my mission, yeah. Wow. And stood in. That's how just gung-ho I was for family history work. I loved it. I was, wow. uh, you know, really into it. So losing your dad at that age didn't make you bitter. No, no, in not fact, at all. In fact, it did the, other, the opposite. Yeah. You strive to even work harder and Absolutely. be better so that you could keep that family relationship. Absolutely. And I actually did have siblings that did become kind of bitter and, and pulled away from the church because of that experience, but I was kind of the golden child in my family. I was the one that, you know, I, once my dad died, it was me. I was the priesthood. You know, I was the, the one who was staying active. I was going to wow. hold my family together yeah. and uh, and be the priesthood for my family because my dad wasn't there anymore and my brother wasn't oldest? really active. I was actually the second oldest, oh, but okay. I was really the only, uh, you know, one of the kids in my family that really was invested in the church, in the church. And, and mom stayed and, uh, with you mom, my mom was very active as well yeah wow. so and uh, wow. so then I got my mission call and uh, where was it where was your mission um, to it was actually to Orlando Florida uh, Gee, we've heard that before yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I met uh, you know several of the guys in the ministry now in Adams yeah. Road Micah and Joseph and Jay and um, you know so that was a, a really cool thing but I, I guess I should say before that I did attend BYU for a year or so oh. uh, I applied to BYU and uh, did my freshman year there and then uh, went off on my mission and now, uh, did you ever have any questions about the church uh, up to that point uh, going through oh, and then you went through the temple as well I'm sure yeah well you know yeah going through the temple uh, it you know it was um, uh, like I said, I, I, I was determined to see the church as good and, and holy and everything is right. And so I honestly didn't have any qualms or, you know, questions no about questions. anything that happened up to that point. Wow. I would say really on my mission was when I first started having some questions and, you know, things that stood out to me that didn't seem quite right. What like, happened? Um, well... Uh, pretty early on in my mission, I remember we uh, we knocked. We were out knocking doors, and we uh, we met a, uh, a Baptist minister who invited us in, and we tried to share with him our version of the gospel. And he was very polite and kind, and just shared right back uh, Romans ten nine to ten, and said, "Elders, it's as simple as you know. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved." And um, with the mindset that I had, I, I couldn't accept that because, see, I had been taught at a really early age by my parents that nothing in this world was free. You know, there was just this <laughs> idea that if anybody ever told me that... If it's that, worth anything, Yeah, it's that it's anything worth getting had to be worked for. And so if anybody ever said something was simple or free or anything like that, I just shouldn't believe it. And wow. so I just pretty much rejected it outright and, uh, and moved on with my life. And then I remember we, uh, we were visiting uh, less active. We called them less active. They were actually inactive members right, of the Mormon right. church. Less active. And uh, there was a guy who invited us in who was uh, uh, basically very gung-ho about the church, said he had a very strong testimony, mm. loved it, and said, elders, I've just got to show you this book of these talks I've compiled. And there's all these old talks from the, uh, the improvement era and different conference talks, and, uh, and it was all about having your calling and election made sure. 
Now, I remember growing up hearing my dad talking about having his calling and election made sure, yeah. kind of this mystical you know, experience. I didn't really know anything about it other than the idea right. that Jesus would personally appear to you and confirm to you that you had made it, that your salvation was secure. You know? That's and, more uh, than I knew, so, yeah. uh, and but that, I'd read the, heard the words. But. Yeah, and so you know, this idea of that, and uh, so I remember uh, hearing my dad talk about this, and I remember up to the day he died, he was still very concerned that this hadn't happened to him yet, that he hadn't received that assurance. And uh, so this guy showed us all these talks that were from general authorities talking about calling an election. Yeah. And they said that in these talks, I remember there was a talk by Bruce R. McConkie, I wish I could find it now, but he said that um, if you didn't have it happen in this life, then you weren't going to make it to the celestial kingdom. And he taught wow. that. I know it was pretty strong teaching. He yeah, taught that up to a certain year. That's even above and beyond yeah. getting through the temple and the celestial exactly. marriage and all that. Yeah. And so I, I remember uh, this guy sharing it with us and saying, isn't this so cool? And they just stopped teaching this sometime in the mid-70s, and they haven't talked about it since. And I was just kind of like flabbergasted. Like, why would they stop teaching something that important? Yeah, that seems pretty seems important. seems fairly important. You know, so yeah. I, uh, but at the time, like I said, I was faithful and I just said, well, just I don't have all the answers and, We'll you know, know when we need to yeah. know. And I yeah. said, oh, maybe that guy's sources aren't right, even though he had photocopies of, you know, the original <laughs> yeah. printings. But, so I moved on and then there was a, a less active... Now, now just uh, to clarify, yeah. sorry, uh, sure. was this the same, this wasn't the same pastor that had talked to Micah? No. Another, in, in his story? No, that was, was a different, different pastor, okay. yeah. Okay, just to clarify yeah. that. Yeah. But no, so you were no there's a lot of Baptist a, ministers in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you go to another less active I ministry? did, yeah. And uh, she was actually a Relief Society president in the church for several years. and uh, Before becoming Before less becoming active. less active. Yeah. And uh, she had been teaching a lesson on the uh, Independence Missouri Temple when they had first, you know, tried to build it. Right. And uh, there was a revelation from Joseph Smith that said, you know, this temple will be built in this generation and no hand shall stop it and all that. And, uh, and as she was preparing the lesson, she realized this is a false prophecy, you know, and, and had that realization and couldn't go forward with the lesson. You know, she oh backed goodness. off from the church and she was very friendly again, not hateful, not yeah. mean, but just shared it. Elders, this is why I lost my testimony in the church, but I wish you the best and sent us on our way. And we, I was just very confused. I was like, I thought all apostates were supposed to be mean and hateful, you know, like that's, <laughs> that was my, uh, you what? know, my idea of them. And, oh my uh, goodness. but again, being a good Mormon, I, you know, I like to say I put it on the shelf and just yeah. forgot about it and moved on. And uh, so uh, after my mission, I, you know, I served faithfully, completed my two-year mission. Okay. And uh, after that, I went back to BYU for several years. Now, and, uh, excuse me, did yeah. this overlap at all with Micah? Did you meet him? No, or, I was or actually... Anyone else? Uh, did you meet uh, Joseph? I, or? I did briefly meet Micah while a missionary. It was mm. like right as I was going home, he was coming out. So I was kind oh. of the generation before oh, him. Oh, okay. But, um, but I did become friends with Jay, uh, who I believe you're going to hear from next week. Okay, and, uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we talked quite a, quite a bit and became friends, so we kind of had that tie. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so after my mission, I went back to BYU. And uh, while there, actually, my junior year, I had two classes that really started to kind of shake my faith a little bit in Mormonism. Institute classes? Uh, no, actually, uh, from BYU, one of them, uh, they were both uh, religion classes from the School of Religion, I, oh, okay. I guess. And yeah. uh, one of them was a New Testament study course. Now, it's interesting at BYU, you know, your first year, you do an entire year of studying the Book of Mormon. Your second year, you do an entire year of studying the Doctrine and Covenants. And then your third year, you have the choice 
uh, of either doing the four Gospels for one semester or uh, Acts to Revelation for one semester. So oh. it's one semester as opposed to a whole year. Okay. And even then you're only studying one or the other, you know, okay. half of the New Testament. Interesting. And uh, so being uh, somebody who thought that I knew Jesus and believed in Jesus, I thought I already knew everything that Jesus taught. So I said, I know what's in the Gospels. I don't need to study that. So I said, I'm going to read Acts. the epistles, you know, Acts to figure to out what all these yeah. Christians have been trying to, you know, ram down my throat. So I... Uh, uh, you know, started studying that, and as I read, uh, it was, you know, really interesting. Most of what I read was just kind of nonsense to me. It was gibberish, like when Paul was talking about grace versus works, and all, you know, I, I, I just didn't really get what he was talking about, or even the book of Hebrews. Didn't you understand know. it, so. Exactly, and yeah. so I, I just kind of assumed that, well, you know, if I don't understand it, then it must not be worth knowing, you know, it's <laughs> just, you know. It's, Isn't it's, that such a common, you know, but, common uh, thought? And in the class, the teacher gave a lot of commentary, and we read different uh, commentaries by uh, Mormon general authorities that seemed to shed some light on certain things. But for the most part, I did not feel like it was nearly as uh, fruitful a class as the other cl religion classes I had taken at BYU. Wow. And uh, it's horrible to say, but uh, you know, I, I do remember the only thing that ever bothered me in reading it was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul talks about that a man doesn't need to be married. In fact, he encourages men to remain single so that they can serve God undistracted. And uh, I remember looking down in the footnotes, say, where's the JST on this? You know, <laughs> Joseph Smith must have changed this, because this is obviously against our doctrine. And there wasn't anything there. And uh, I remember... You get to that one, huh? No. And I, I raised my hand in the class. You know, there's time for questions. And I asked the teacher, why does uh, the Bible say this? And it wasn't changed or anything. And we clearly believe opposite of this. And, the t you know, it was just this hush fell over the, uh, the class. Everyone just kind of looked at me like, you know, like, oh, why who, would you ask that you? question? And yeah. uh, the teacher just said, well, it's one of the mysteries of the gospel. And, uh, you know, next question. And just moved on. And Didn't really have an answer you know, for it. And just uh, yeah, don't worry about absolutely. it. Absolutely. You'll and, understand uh, it later, probably. And, you know, so being a good Mormon, I said, okay, it's a mystery of the gospel. I moved on. I accepted that. And, uh, you know, then uh, a short time after that, I took a class. It was actually a brand new kind of experimental class that BYU was offering called uh, The Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. And it was very loosely based on the book of the same name. Oh, yeah. uh, but the, uh, you know, the, the premise of the class was basically we'd read from such and such page to such and such page in the book, show up at class, and it was open forum. Anybody could ask any question they wanted about anything. Didn't have to be from the reading at all. Wow. Um, and so I, I honestly didn't ask any questions in that class. I had, you know, learned my lesson from the uh, <laughs> New Testament Never class. Never asked enough questions. Yeah, and, um, but I remember there were... But you had were, some. I did, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I had even more after that class because I remember there were students in there asking questions about Joseph Smith uh, having more than one wife and asking specifically. Have you ever heard that before? I always had assumed he just had Emma and that was it. And that, you know, I yeah. had people tell me that on my mission and I said, oh, they're just hateful and they don't, yeah. you know, they're, they're lying. And I always thought they, the wives came after he died, yeah. you know, because they sealed wanted after. to be sealed after so that yeah. they could have him as a husband. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. And I, saw, I thought the same thing. But that isn't true. You know, then I had these people in the class raising their hands asking about a, an angel with a drawn sword commanding him to marry this teenage girl. And, you know, and I was like, what? You know, and, and these are faithful members of the Mormon church, including the professor, you know, talking about these things and very frank, very open about it. And the uh, first time I'd ever heard that in 20-something years in the LDS church, you know. Yeah. So uh, that started really shaking my faith in, uh, in the LDS religion. Even a story they shared about uh, Joseph F. Smith, who was still practicing polygamy uh, after the manifesto right. and uh, was going to be brought before a federal court. And he basically told the judge of the court, who was Mormon, that he had to find him innocent. 
And, uh, <laughs> and they were talking about what a great example of, of following the priesthood this judge was because he followed the counsel of the prophet, found him innocent, even though he was guilty, you know. And, Isn't that interesting? Um, you know, I always had this idea that once the manifesto was there, that everybody just laid down polygamy and followed, you know, what was yeah. taught. And that was not the case either. So. No. Um, so that started kind of shaking my idea of the foundation of Mormonism as I had been taught it. Um, so uh, during the summers, while I was at BYU, I was coming out to Florida to hang out uh, and spend time and work in Florida, uh, spending time with all the guys in the ministry and uh, getting to know them better. Uh, on what basis? I mean, were you, had you... Well, you know, we were all, like I said, uh, f you know, from the mission, and uh, yeah. we were all kind of musically inclined, and, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, you know, we just got along well and it's just hard to explain other than God just kind of drew us together so oh my goodness so were yeah. you were you were active Mormon oh, at yeah. this point absolutely yeah. and, and but you were aware of what they where they were at I, I actually wasn't no I was actually uh, a little a little bit in the dark uh, because like I said I had been at BYU and that whole transformation right. with Micah happened where he came home from his mission and you weren't aware of um, all that I wasn't really no oh, okay and uh, so I went out uh, after that school year to, to Florida and started noticing that some of the guys in the ministry or uh, that were friends you know now they're in the ministry but I noticed that they had stopped going to the Mormon church and mm. I was trying to get them out. I was like, come on, you need to get active. I was like, I was like, I got to do with these guys what I did with my family. I got to, you know, get them yeah. in, you know, and, and, uh, so did they start sharing with you? Uh, they did. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really kind of what, uh, what happened. I think they got tired of, you know, me harassing them, <laughs> dragging them out to church, but, uh, so, okay. We got to share him, share the truth with this. Yeah with yeah. Steve. So, so, <laughs> so, so what did happen? What kind of things drew you away? From wow. That? Well, you know, it's funny, actually. I always, uh, told them that if anybody ever said anything against the church, I was gone. Because that's how devoted I was, that I did not want to hear anything against the Mormon church. And I yeah. suspected something was up. But, um, you know, I uh, one of the first things that was shared with me was that uh, one of the guys basically just told me, look, Steve, here's the facts on Joseph Smith. He was a false prophet. You know, he, you know, stole other men's wives, he had more than one wife, etc., etc., and told me all these things. And the thing about this was that it wasn't the first time somebody had told me that. I had heard that on my mission and yeah, had written I mean, it off, yeah. you know. But this time, it was like because of all the things I'd learned from LDS sources. These weren't things I learned from anti-Mormon writings or anything right. else. It was from LDS education. This time, um, really... I couldn't deny it. Yeah. I, I knew that it was true, and it was, it was horrible because... Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a warm, fuzzy feeling or anything else about it knowing it was true. I just knew it was true, and it was devastating to me. You know, my whole foundation of, of faith in the LDS church just fell apart, and I couldn't oh, deny right. what they were telling me. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a scary time because I didn't, uh, at the time, I didn't believe I could ever have faith in anything ever again. Um, I didn't know if I could believe in God or in Jesus or in, even in the Bible. Uh, that because, does happen, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah. If the true church isn't true, then what? Then nothing yeah. is. Yeah. I, really, you know, looking back at it now, I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater right. because, you know, it, it's, uh, it's sad because Jesus is such a, a, a part of LDS culture and that they refer to him, they claim to worship him, that when I left, it was like, well, I can't trust Jesus. That's part of Mormonism. I didn't yeah. realize there was a true Jesus apart from Mormonism. So explain know. a little bit about this Jesus of the Mormonism and the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. Well, you know, take a second and <laughs> Yeah, well that, that was one of the time. that was one of the hardest realizations for me to come to was uh, like I said I had that idea that nothing was free and so I believed that salvation had to be worked for and uh, you know the the hardest thing for me was 
getting past that and realizing that God was offering me salvation as a free gift and that the Jesus of, of the Bible, you know, the true Jesus, was so much more loving and compassionate and mercy that, merciful than I ever gave him credit for. Um, but, you know, in, in the process of discovering that, you know, I, uh, it, it's funny, actually, I was the last one in the ministry to come to Christ, as I, you know, kind of mentioned. And oh. uh, when, uh, when I lost faith in everything, all the guys kind of said, Steve, just read the Bible, give it a chance. And I, uh, God had to humble me because I didn't believe I could learn anything new from the Bible. You know, I really? thought, yeah, I thought yeah, I, I'd learned what there was to learn from it. And, uh, You'd take you know, institute classes yeah, and sure. everything, and, and uh, so but I, this time yeah. it made a difference. Yeah, so I, you know, I started reading, and as I read, I read these same passages I had read in uh, that New Testament class, but this time they were just coming alive to me. It was like the Word of God had all this truth in it that I had missed, and I was like, how did I ever miss this? It's so clear. Even the book of Romans, it was like, before it was nonsense to me, suddenly it was like ABC. It was just simple. It was there, and it and was... it made such sense. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that? it just confirmed what that Baptist minister had tried to share with me all those years before that was, again, kind of nonsense to me at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and God started opening my eyes and I began to see the truth for what it was. And it was, and that, that was the amazing thing to me was that um, <laughs> I had always supposed that Christians took this idea of grace um, as a free gift from like one or two verses in, in the Bible. Uh, but as I read, I saw it was the message of the entire New Testament. It's everywhere. Isn't that amazing? It was. And, yeah. and that honestly is what made me have faith in the Bible for the first time was because I, I didn't know if I could trust it, but when I saw the uniformity of the message and saw how it all lined up, he not that just believeth Paul. believeth in me. Absolutely. Yeah. That everlasting life. Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, John, all of them agreed on that same key doctrine that <laughs> salvation was a free gift that it could not be worked for. And uh, you know, and that was that was such a cool thing to come to the realization of, and that that was really what converted me, um, you know, and, and made me realize that I wanted to know the biblical Jesus, that wow. I wanted a relationship with Him. And once your eyes are open, it's like you say, everything it goes from black and white to color. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. just so everything that you. Uh, everything you read now means so much more, and, and Jesus Absolutely. means so much. And his sacrifice on the cross means everything. It, everything. it wasn't this yeah. time in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, it was the purpose of temples and everything was shedding of blood. And, Absolutely. And oh, like, like it says in uh, Colossians 2, you know, that he, he took that written code that stood against us, stood opposed to us, and he nailed law. it to his cross. Yeah. You know? So it's not condemning us anymore. You know, it's, it was paid that, yeah. that cost was paid, and we're not bound by a law anymore, but we're under the grace and freedom of, of Jesus Christ. Why don't the LDS, why don't we see that? How, how is it that you were able to go to institute class, or religion classes, and, and I was able to do what I did for 60 plus years and, and not see it? Well, I think it's... What is it? You know, it's, it's spiritual blindness is the best you know, way I can put it. I, I saw those same pages, those same passages, but, but just couldn't see it. And, you know, Satan, you know, has, has power to, to deceive, and that's, you know, really just what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible talks plenty about uh, people, you know, seeing but not perceiving and, and uh, listening but not hearing and all that kind of thing. And yeah. just that idea that when we get caught up in the teachings of men, you know, it's easy you know, to you miss were, the truth. You were saying about grace being so prevalent in the, in the Bible. That's one thing that I've felt about the words um, false prophets, deception, lies, uh, things yeah. being hidden. That message is just repeated over and over, those cautions and those warnings. Paul talks about if another angel preaches a gospel, yeah. or the, the, I don't know exactly the words of, of uh, those, the 
purpose of the cross is hid to yeah. those who don't believe. I mean, there's just so many references to deception. There is, yeah. And, and, and you called it spiritual blindness. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, you know, uh, the Bible talks about that God will send a strong delusion to those who loved the lie more than the truth, you know, even so much that, you know, we can, you know, believe we have signs from God yeah. that we're in the right way, but, you know, if we love something more than, than God, He'll give us what we want. And we worship and the creature more than the Creator. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we set ourselves up as idols almost, yeah. and the church certainly. I yeah. felt on my mission that I didn't preach Jesus. Yeah. I was preaching Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, and the church. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it too is based on a misconception because I, I believed that Christians had this idea that they were saved by grace, so they could just sin all that they wanted. they wanted. And that is so contrary to what the Bible says. It says yeah. we're not set free to live for sin, but to live as slaves of righteousness, yeah. you know, be a living sacrifice to God. And once you're born again by the yeah. Spirit, you want to do good exactly. because you love God and you love yeah. your fellow man. And that's what James 2 is saying. Of course, faith without works is dead because if you have true faith, works will follow as a natural result of that. As a natural result. And, you know, let me just say this. The, the greatest moment in my life was when I finally just surrendered to God because I wanted to have something to do That's with my own humility, salvation. That's a humility, right? Yeah. And I, I wanted to have something to do with my salvation. It was hard to let go of that. But when I finally did that, I felt like a physical burden lift off my shoulders. See, I think it's that Mormon pride. Yeah. I think it's that, that the LDS have a pride that doesn't allow them to yeah. see. And uh, you have to become humble. You have to be broken. You have to be as yeah. a child. Absolutely. And to and be uh, willing to accept that gracious gift. Yeah. And, and that's the amazing thing is realizing that, you know, there is a burden on your shoulder. Even if you don't feel it, it you know, when you're LDS, it's there. And when that burden is finally lifted, there is a major difference. That was when I, I knew I was born again because I was suddenly a new person. I was free. I was alive. I really felt love, joy, and peace for the first and time in my life. sins were paid for. Absolutely. <clears throat> and all the... And we're evil. We're wretched. We're Absolutely. sinners. And, there was not, and God you know, took care of that. Like it says in Isaiah, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Yeah. You know? but, uh, well, Steve, yeah. thanks so much. You've got a wonderful ministry and a wonderful testimony. And praise God. And are you married now? I am, yeah. And children? I've got a two-year-old girl and a six-week-old boy. So. I hope we didn't cover that already. I oh, apologize. Right. But, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. But uh, happily married and she's Very with much. you. And yeah. Give God all the glory for everything he's done yeah. in our lives. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. praise God. I uh, yeah. appreciate your story, and I I wish you, I hope you LDS will take a moment and, and turn your life over to God. Give Him the credit and ask for forgiveness and turn your life over to Him. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music